0: Another day, another Bitcoin target. Yesterday, we spoke with Mike Alfred, who said he believed that Bitcoin would hit 40 I think he said before the end of the year or certainly before the halving next year. But now we're going to talk about what happens after the halving, after a very likely ETF approval. How high can Bitcoin go? Well, I think it can go much higher than the predictions we're seeing. We have Tom Lee and today's guest, Mark Yusko, both saying, that $150,000 Bitcoin is very much in the cards. We're going to discuss that a lot more today. And then I'm going to get Dan from Chart Guy's opinion on the back half, as always, because it is Thursday. Let's talk about hundred and fifty dollars Bitcoin, guys. Let's go. Everybody, I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and drop The Rock's people's elbow right on the like button. I actually totally missed the thing when the WWF became the WWE and I found out it was because of recently, I don't know how I missed this, maybe it's because of my age, that it was because of the World Wildlife Wildlife Foundation. Is that true? They didn't like the name and they uh, sued the WWF and had the changer name to WWE. Really relevant right now, guys, but that's, you know, got me thinking about the people's elbow for, for whatever reason. But that's not what you guys want to talk about. We want to talk about how Bitcoin could possibly get to $150,000, and I've got the best person to talk about it because he's one of the people who said it. We got Mark Yusko today. What's up, man? How are you?
1: Hey, Doing great. Doing great. And uh, I, I love the, uh, I love, I did not know the uh, backstory on the WWE versus WWF, and um, crazy.
0: Learn something every day. Yeah, apparently you can't have two WWFs competing for that very coveted three letters.
1: You know, it's what's amazing to me is that you know people can can own certain things but not other things. It's like actually when I was naming my company, you know, all the good names are taken. You know, all the great words, all the you know big cats, the birds of prey. And the guy finally said, you know, just just pick something that's a physical place because then anyone can use it. And that's why you see lots of things named after streets or okay. physical places. So I lived on Morgan Creek and, and hence called it Morgan Creek. And then and the little funny thing is uh, James Taylor li- grew up down the street from where we lived when his dad was dean of the medical school at UNC. And the song Copper Line is about Morgan Creek. So if you look around our office out there, we've got this copper line running uh, all through it. And on our logo, it's got a little copper line. And it's funny. He was coming to Carolina to uh, – they gave him a bridge. They gave him the James Taylor Bridge, and he was going to come to accept the uh, the naming. We said, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you stopped by, because it was one of our board meetings, and you know, sang a few bars of copper line? So we reached out, and his manager said, "Yes, Mr. Taylor would would be happy to do a mini concert." like don't don't want a mini concert. Want like three lines, and he says, "Yes," and his his fee is is five hundred thousand dollars. Like, cheap,
0: cheap. Uh, no, I, I know. So, yeah, we'll we'll just take uh, going to Carolina in his mind then instead yeah. of going to Carolina. Yeah, exactly. In person.
1: Going to Crazyland in his. Listen mind. Listen to
0: his song, going to Carolina in my mind. It's free. Uh, we talk about company. I didn't actually know that, but it's kind of the same for uh, a lot of. Classical music and Christmas songs are basically public domain. So people use them all the time without having to pay any royalties, sort of a similar thing. Anyways, we have two catalysts right here uh, that could catapult Bitcoin up 410%. Pretty big number. Predicts hedge fund veteran Mark Yusko, that's you. Obviously, we're talking about the having the ETF, right? Because there's nothing else to talk about here.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's so funny, right? Technically... I, I did say, you know, 150 K, which is 410%, but that's, that's not my base case. Um, that was my blow off case, but you know, Tom Lee came out yesterday and and doubled down on, on his base case being, being 150 K. Um, but look, it, the math is, is simple to me and, and I'm, I'm a math guy. So I, I like math and, uh, I've been have you know, the hashtag just math, right? Um, so, the fair value of of a network is very determinable. We've talked about this before. You know, I can I can jot out a, a Metcalf's law model, and I can come up with a, a fair value for any network, whether that's a computer network or telecommunications network or you know the Bitcoin network, and that fair value number has been very consistent over the years. It's got a little bit of wiggle around crises, but it's, it's been pretty consistent. And today that number hangs out around 55 k uh, I've talked to Tim Peterson, who I think has the best Metcalf's Law model uh, to N-squared crypto. And in a time like now where the price, which remember price is a liar, has nothing to do with the value of anything, um, it's just the price that two people exchange a small amount. And the price today is hovering around that you know, 29,000 level. That's materially less than 55. Well, then if another thing happens, you know, we're in crypto summer. Well, what's crypto summer? It's just the period right before the halving. And then we go to crypto fall right after the halving. And what do those mean? Well, four-year cycle. Why it's a four-year cycle? Because it's baked into the code. For the having. And human beings go from greed to fear over these, these market cycles. Like in, in stocks, it used to run on about a seven-year cycle with the business cycle. Then the Fed kind of messed that up with QE. And now it's more like 11, 12-year cycle. But uh, bottom line is cycles are human emotions, fear and greed. And when the price is below fair value, people like me accumulate. I'm, I'm an investor. I mean, people like me. I'm not saying I'm smart or dumb. This I like buying things below fair value. I I think that's a smart way to do things generally. And so investors will accumulate. Well, as we approach the halving, something happens. That fair value number is essentially going to double. Well, well, why is that? How can that be? Well, the halving is this ingenious construct that cuts the block rewards that are paid to the miners to secure the network. Well, if you think about it, the miners' costs are fixed. Electricity, power, I mean, power, electricity, and and their their machines. If the price didn't change and your block rewards get cut in half, you're basically out of business. So it inherently moves the price higher. And that's what we have seen, every halving. And every halving between the four-year cycle has added a zero. Went from 10 to 100, 100 to 1,000, 1,000 to 10,000 the last cycle. I think fair value jumps to 100,000, you know, right post-halving. But that's fair value. What we know about markets is they don't stay on fair value. They get way below when people are fearful and they get way above when people are greedy. So as the investors get their fill of buying all the way up to that that $100,000 level, then the traders come in and traders don't give a crap, a technical term, about fair value. They just want movement and they're going to buy and they're going to sell and they're going to trade. But then what happens is the start as the price starts to go parabolic, which it does because greed starts to enter in. Then the speculators come and then the gamblers come. Well, what's a gambler? Gambler, someone doesn't know anything about anything they're, they're buying. They hear from somebody or read on some you know, Twitter post, hey, this is a good stock. Or they watch Davey Dave Portnoy pull you know, tiles out of a Scrabble bag. Oh, I'm going to buy that. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm oh, sorry. Um, I, I, are you serious? You're going to buy something with real money because a guy pulled letters out of a Scrabble bag? It worked. And the problem very is brief it works time. for a few minutes, right? <laughs> it works for a few seconds because a, hun- a bunch of people do it. And The bigger your audience, the more manipulation you can-, you can do in the markets. And so GameStop and AMC and all that stuff with the Redditors or the Predators or whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, you can do that. And ultimately, Bitcoin, I think, will go to another speculative off. And normally that off has been about two times fair value. So in 18, we got to 20 on a fair value of 10. Uh, In uh, 21, we got to 60 on a fair value of of 30. And this time, I don't think we do double. Why? Well, because- The ETF
0: should smash volatility to some degree, right?
1: Definitely. We'll talk about the ETF. and, And that's the wild card. It should smash volatility, but it could- Blow all my numbers and all Tom's numbers right out of the water. We can we're gonna jump.
0: watch Tom in a minute, but yeah, go ahead.
1: but but the the reason I don't think it does twice this time is there's not as much leverage. Most of the leverage has been dissipated because the SEC sued all the big leverage providers and and made it really difficult for people to to get a hundred x now you should never buy an eighty vol asset with a hundred x leverage right that that's just dumb. And I, I shouldn't throw my brother under the bus, but you know you, I think I've told you this before. You know He called me up and said, hey, they stole my Bitcoin. What are you talking about? Well, I was at BitMEX. I'm like, Stop. No one stole your Bitcoin. You levered up an 80 vol asset. You got a margin call. You couldn't pay it. And they seized the collateral. That is not theft. Now, technically, people say, well, they lured people in to steal their Bitcoin. That's certainly possible that that was their business model. But it's technically not theft. You signed the deal. But levering an 80 vol asset a little bit, fine. Like if it's below fair value, maybe fine. But levering it when it gets to fair value or above fair value.
0: I think I'm ready to have t- your brother on the show. We need to get him on here. Ah. We do it. <laughs> well, I want to hear his side of the story. We've thrown yeah, him over the bus yeah. so many times. No God, just kidding. We definitely we don't, don't want to want hear inside the story. No, we, we don't long. want him. We don't want him. Take too long. Okay, perfect. Hey, let's see what Tom Lee had to say about the exact same topic really quickly because we do have the video here. I, I always like hearing your price targets because you are so fearless. Um, fearless. Where are you on Bitcoin by
1: the, by the end of next year, let's say? Uh, well, if the spot Bitcoin gets approved, yeah. I think the demand will be greater than the the daily supply of Bitcoin. And so the clearing price, uh, this is done by Sean Farrell, who's our crypto digital strategist, is, is over 150000
2: It could even be like $180,000. But that, it's,
0: that's only if the spot, only if the ETF gets approved. Yeah, and the US, is a, big a,
2: a spot US, because right. a, a spot Bitcoin ETF is approved outside the right. US. Okay,
1: but if it's not approved, then are we just lingering around 29000 Uh There's still... Upside counts because of the happening next mm-hmm. year. So you'll have a, a drop in supply again. So the clearing price has to increase, but it won't be six figures.
0: It sounds like that aligns
1: exactly with your thinking, right? Almost like you read your article. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Tom and I are, are brothers from other mothers. I mean, we, we, we definitely think alike. I, I do think it's funny, though. And I, 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 I love Melissa and I am not criticizing her. But it's amazing to watch her be just as skeptical at 29k as she was with me when at 8k she's bullish new and what yeah like buy it so true she's like what do you mean well you'd always say that man yeah I would buy it today buy it tomorrow buy it next week buy it next month because it doesn't matter what price you pay what matters is owning a piece of the greatest and most powerful computing platform the world has ever seen. that That's what Bitcoin is. It is the most powerful computing network the world has ever seen. And it provides a function. It provides a better accounting system for the base layer of money than anything we've ever seen in history. And not to own that, I just think is imprudent. And what you pay for your share is kind of irrelevant because you're going to want to own this thing in perpetuity. So I, I, but I think it's really funny to watch her be just as skeptical at 29 as, you know, four or five, wherever four and a half years ago when we were on together.
0: I mean, every single other metric about Bitcoin is showing that the fair value is much higher, right? I see even someone in the comments saying, listen, we're at 75% now of coins, long-term coins being held and not moved, right? We see volumes historically low, coins being moved off exchanges. I think a lot of that is a lack of trust in exchanges, but I mean, it's clear that people are holding this asset long-term, not moving it with the expectation that we are going to see another massive cycle up. And I think the ETF, which we should talk about only contributes to that. I think that would be happening by the way, without the ETF news. Because I think that's just a general trend for Bitcoin.
1: the, The number of 55K is absent the ETF, right? The fair value of 55K, which is what we'll march toward by the halving, right? We'll march toward fair value. Then fair value will change on the halving event. And that pushes it to 100. So 100 has nothing to do with the ETF. Now, what the ETF has the potential to do, and I, I totally agree with Tom, it has the potential to really mess up the supply-demand dynamic. Because you're talking about a $550 billion asset, right? And so an ETF, when when the ETF is approved, and I'll, I'll give it 50-50 chance on October 17th. So on October 16th, they will deny... Or push the the Bitwise application the same way they or push BlackRock application on Monday, yeah. right? And you know we're investors in both, right? We own a little piece of Amon and we own a little piece of Bitwise, and I wish both of them would get approved because the first one that gets approved gets everything. Yep. It's you know to the you know the victor takes the spoils. So I wish one of them would get approved, but it's, it's not going to happen. BlackRock will get approved, and they're going to be first. So. October 17th, they're third in line. Could they get approved on? Yeah, 50-50. More likely, they push them 90 days into 2024, and it gets approved either in January, or they might push it another 90 days and get it right around the halving. Optics would
0: be so crazy if they approved the day after rejecting Bitwise. So I agree with you that it probably likely gets pushed for that very reason.
1: Yeah, yeah. But (laughs) um, look, those people <laughs> don't care about how things look and optics. Yeah, they They're like, do it. we are manipulating this process. We aren't going to do it the way it should be, which is whoever put in first should get it. We have we've we've decided the winner. We're the you know the kingmaker, even though that's not their job actually. But but let's talk about this. So you got a five hundred fifty $550 billion dollar asset when. The BlackRock ETF is approved. That basically opens up 30 trillion-ish. And this is from Eric Balkunas, who did the analysis, and I I agree with him. 30 trillion of assets under advisors and RIAs that right now are prohibited from owning the asset. Like, I have a Family Harmony account at UBS. My brother-in-law is there, and I, I have some money with him. And- I say, can I buy GBTC? No. UBS says, no. Can I buy uh, a mining company that does Bitcoin? No. So they don't let you do anything. Now, it's not as bad as I understood Merrill actually wouldn't take you as a new account. I
0: heard the same, actually, anecdotally. You made
1: your money in crypto. Yep. It's like, are are you kidding me? Anyway, so they'll take drug dealers and, and all kinds of other people, but they won't take Bitcoin. But pharmaceutical reps. Um, Anyway, so 30 trillion. Let's say you get 0.1%. Okay. That's not really aggressive. 0.1%. That's $30 billion. Well, Mark, 30 billion on 550 billion, that's not going to move the needle. Uh Uh-uh. Wait a minute. Remember, roughly 80-odd percent doesn't trade every day. Yeah. Yeah. About 20%. Of the market cap, so let's let's call it 100 billion to, for round numbers. 100 billion trades every day. Okay, 30 on 100. That'll move the needle. Ah, uh, but let's think about this. Is 0.1 reasonable? Like, if you're an RIA and you got clients clamoring to put, are you going to put 0.1 or are you put one? One percent. Are you going yep, yeah, you to do one percent? Yep. You have to do one percent.
0: Otherwise, you're showing no conviction to your client in the things exactly. That you're going to
1: do one percent. And. 300 billion on a hundred billion of free float will rock the price yeah. that will rock the price and once the price starts to go parabolic there's a self-perpetuating mechanism that the greed kicks in I and- mean people
0: always ask me what's the catalyst for higher prices why would it go higher now and I say I don't know the catalyst for higher prices is higher prices
1: it's higher prices <laughs> it, it's <quite laughs> it. And, it, and it's always been the case the ca- you know the catalyst for lower prices is low prices or low prices lower prices. So it it is the nature of the beast. And so look, I could I could make a case that we blow right through fair value. We blow right through that 150 and and things get really 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 crazy because we saw that, right? We don't happened. we don't have to hypothesize, Scott. We know exactly what happens when you put billion of demand into the Bitcoin ecosystem. Four years ago, we saw that. We went from 10 to 60 in about six months. Why? Because GBTC. Everyone forgets, we've seen this movie before. It wasn't as pure, an ETF is more pure. The money goes right in with with GBTC. An accredited, a a qualified purchaser had to buy the shares in the private market, wait 12 months and then feed them, you know, feed the ducks into the public market. But that asset went to $20 billion from zero. And it didn't happen over six months, but that that parabolic part uh, did. And that that was 20 billion. Now, the market cap was smaller, so it was about roughly the same percentage. And so I look, it, it's funny when you talk about this topic, people are like, you know, hope is not an investment strategy. You're just hoping because, you know, it's down so much. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just doing the math. Because when when prices were 70000 you didn't see me on your show or anybody else's show saying, you know, this is really cheap. You should really be loading the truck up at this price. Because it wasn't. You know, fair value was 30,000, 33,000. The market cap, you know, the, the price had gotten to 70k. That was stupid. Well, why was that stupid? It was because of gambling. There was too much leverage in the system. And then everybody's like, well, you know, it became a speculative asset. Like, no, it didn't. It was the same asset it always was. uncorrelated stocks, uncorrelated bonds. No, 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 the, the correlation went to one. Yes, that's what happens in liquidations. When you get a stock market crash and people get a margin call because their, their Netflix stock went down 70 percent and their, you know, uh, Amazon stock went down 55 percent. Let that sink in for a second. One of The largest companies in the world went down 55 percent and you get a margin call. You don't sell Amazon. You sell Bitcoin or gold or cash or bonds. And so all the things that are liquid went down faster. And so the correlations do go to one momentarily. Now correlations actually went negative for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago. But on average, Bitcoin is 0.15 correlated to stocks, 0.0 correlated to bonds. And it's going to stay that way. It's the perfect diversifying asset. Not only should you have the 1% just because you should, you should probably have 2 or 3 or 4% because it's the best diversifying asset I've ever seen. And I've seen them all. I mean, I'm alive. I've been alive long enough to see when we used to have only bonds in pension funds.
0: 35 I'm, years Mark's been alive.
1: 35 yeah, 35. Years. Exactly. Yeah. 35. Years. Exactly. That's you are great. a kind man. I love you.
0: Yeah. You're welcome. I, I, I have to ask you about one other story that you may not have seen before I let you go. Did you see this? Shibarium sloppy launch. See, is one point eight million stuck in pending state. Did you see this?
1: No. They no. tried
0: to take shib, the meme coin, and actually give it utility after all these years, and then they completely screwed it up and lost tons of people's
1: money. Are you surprised? I am. I am shocked. This is my shocked face. This is my shocked face. We'll Look, do it in a thumbnail next time. Yeah. You, you, you know how I feel about the dog shit coins. I. I I don't get it and and i've i've debated some youngsters on this that you know memes have value nope they don't they don't and what it is again it's it's back to that that greed and fear it's just it's just pure greed and buying something because someone else will pay you more for it is not an investment strategy and you say, well, but Bitcoin has no utility. Like, No, Bitcoin is, I believe, digital gold. It is a scarce asset that has better liquidity and uh, lighter weight. You know, the Hal Finney quote, uh, you know, God rest his soul. is amazing, right? I can envision a day when banks might use Bitcoin the same way they use gold today and issue deposits on top of it because it has, you know, great lighter weight and, and uh, less friction. That's what it is. It's a technological evolution of an asset that has existed for 5,000 years. And it's extraordinary technology. It's not a thing. It's not a speculative punt. It's, it's a technology and triple entry accounting is at, I don't even know how to describe how important it is. For history, because for 800 years, we've dealt in a financial system that was reliant on trust. And trust is very expensive. We don't trust each other inherently. We doubt each other. We, and trust requires other people. And other people charge a fee. But here's the thing. We had Scott Stornetta on, we have a little podcast for digital, uh, for Morgan Creek Digital called Digital Currents. And Scott Stornetta, for people who don't know, is if you read the white paper, on the last page, there are eight footnotes. Three of them are to Scott's work. Scott and his partner are the co-fathers of blockchain technology. They coined the term, we could chain blocks of information together into this thing called blockchain. They they invented it, right? And he's a venture partner of ours. And I I said, you know, when, when was the day that you had the epiphany? And he, he described that day where he's like, blocks, chaining? Oh, okay. But but the more important story was, you know, he was around during this, this whole evolution. And I said, well, what was the big kind of uh, epiphany? And he said, well, I realized that, you know, Scott, if you and I have a transaction, we need a third person to validate the transaction right to establish trust but he said but the problem is that person's corruptible right i could pay them a little something something to fudge my number so i lend you a hundred and have them say oh no mark puts on his ledger 200 and i'll split the difference with you so the medicis get half so we need someone to watch the third person but then the fourth person's corruptible so we need someone to watch the third person we need someone watch the fourth person." So basically we need the whole world in order to verify a transaction. Does that sound like something you've heard of before? It's like proof of work. So he has this epiphany that you must have this total validation system in tech rather than human beings, which are corruptible. All of it, this entire corrupt system is going to migrate which is precisely why the incumbents don't like it. It's precisely why Choke Point, Choke Point 2.0 exists. It's precisely why Gensler exists. It's all of these things. But it's the Gandhi quote. First, they ignore you. Then they laugh at you. Then they fight you. And we're in the then they fight you phase. But then you win. This technology has already won. That's the cool part. If you're in this community, if you own Bitcoin, you've already won. Anyway. I digress.
0: I agree 100%. But I think we can all agree that um, just because people like memes doesn't mean we should let a bunch of children actually handle other people's money and try to build things.
1: (laughs) Uh, No. Some children, Wunderkins, yes. Um, Like Nate in uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah, maybe. But
0: uh, (laughs) the average kid. West Ham. Yeah, totally agree. Mark, thank you so much, man. Always a pleasure. I love the perspective. I'll see you at 150K. All right. See you, man. Be good. I'm thinking under 180. I like the 180. Let's do 180.
1: <laughs> okay. Cool. Deal. Thanks, Mark. Tom Lee. Tom Lee. Tom, Tom Lee. Lee. Tom man. Talk to you Bye. soon.
0: All right. Yeah. I think I, I'm actually thinking the more I think about it, 150 is low. Okay. I think we get another just big ass cycle and everything goes up because humans are going to human. But that's not worth talking about right now because it's way into the future. What we need to talk about right now is the dollar seems to be at a critical level, stocks seem to be showing a hell of a lot of weakness, Bitcoin is showing some weakness, and when Bitcoin's showing some weakness, weakness, altcoins are getting disproportionately slaughtered. And because I've tried to unpack that all myself and have had minimal success, we've got every single Thursday. Dan from the chart guys here to join us and tell us what he's looking at. Was that an accurate summary of uh, what's happening in the market right now? Yeah,
2: nice and concise. Very good.
0: Yeah. So listen, I know that you're, you know, I I know generally the things that you're looking at. I definitely want to talk about uh, the macro and then drill into why we're seeing such altcoin weakness because I know you have some thoughts on that. But but maybe we start with the dollar and and stocks and and go from there.
2: Sure. So let me pull up my screen. The dollar, I keep you know highlighting how important the dollar is just because uh, we're seeing so much of an inverse correlation just in the sense that you know, with with so many things, the dollar's been bouncing for four and a half weeks. We've had the metals pulling back for that long of a time. We've had crypto consolidating for about five weeks. And now we've got stocks pulling back three weeks. Uh, So it's definitely something to pay attention to. And as you mentioned, it's at a fairly key level where we topped out back in June at, you know, 103.57, 103.54. And we're at that level right now. And so, you know, I've got these trend lines up on the 12-hour time frame, just as a bit of a visual guide for me, where I'm viewing this and saying, "All right, if we're going to reject from this resistance, then this trend, this uptrend line, needs to break bearish, and that's the first indication that we would be heading into weekly consolidation." And really, if we want to, if we want to zoom out big picture and talk about where are we heading into 2024, I've been using the four-month time frames a lot more in my analysis ever since the bear market started a couple of years ago. And if the dollar can confirm a weekly uptrend as the result of next consolidation, and we've seen these bounces before, these bounces did not result in uptrends, but More if this time, highs. right, as you look at those, those are all lower highs. yeah. Sorry. So <laughs> that's the, the question for me is all right. Number one, I want to know when a temporary top is being set. So I'm watching for that now. Then once we get the weekly consolidation, we're going to watch the retracement size and we're either going to confirm an uptrend for the first time in, you know since the top, Or it's going to be here we go again with continuation to the downside. And if you're long crypto, metals, stocks, you want this scenario and it will be a red flag for you if we confirm the weekly uptrend because the weekly uptrend confirming would be a longer term. This is the four month time frame long term. It would be a higher low forming. And after the big time bull move up, the big pullback. That's not what you want to see happen if you're looking long in crypto. So what the dollar does into the end of the year here, into September and beyond, is going to be pretty instrumental for setting the stage into what we're going to be looking for starting 2024.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So now that we're at this point waiting to see what's going to confirm for the weekly on the DXY, what does that mean for stocks? I mean, I kind of told you a few weeks ago, I said, I'm really hesitant on stocks right here. Not necessarily long term, but it felt to me like they were topping. I sort of de-risked. I sold a lot of things that I had bought sort of at the bottom. And I'm still not seeing much sign of strength here. In fact, I mean, I'm looking right now, the SPX seems to be still kind of falling off the cliff today and losing, I can see it's losing the 50 MA on the daily, kind of a lot of little signals here.
2: Yeah, we reached euphoria. I mean, it's a tale as old as time where, you know, towards the end of July, it's like everybody on my timeline is Switching to bullish, and you know, I use social media to a certain degree with a little puzzle piece of my analysis. And back to start the summer, there were still a ton of bears. And then as the summer wore on, you know, three months of just up. Uh that shifted perspective a lot. And then we got to July, and it's like, oh, it's all bullish now, and that makes me cautious. But the current consolidation that we're seeing, you know, big picture right now is where the bulls want to start playing some defense. And I'm looking at, you know, I use the weekly EMA 12 support here, this red line. And that holding that is what kicked off, you know, a little bull flag into that summer run. And if we were to lose that, the the big question for me is, again, long-term timeframes four month chart, are we going to see all-time highs or are we going to have a a fairly boring 2024 where we fail all-time highs and then just form a tightening range? And I'm open to both of these possibilities the, the bulls obviously want to see a cup and handle like pattern this is the monthly chart where we have the all-time high our big rally and all right we're failing resistance but if we can form a bull flag on the monthly then it's possible that we head to those all-time highs and so the the key thing here is is in line with the dollar being inverse where we just talked about the dollar can it confirm a weekly uptrend the question for the market bears is can they confirm a weekly downtrend whenever we find this bottom, In the short term, does it result in that lower high and lower low, which would be the first time that has happened since we bottomed at the end of last year? Uh, That's the big question for me. And the dollar is going to play hand in hand with that because of the inverse relationship.
0: Yeah, I was just trying to search back because I know uh, to see my actual thoughts because I have ADHD and forget things. Uh, This was uh, uh, basically a month ago, July 21st. I said NASDAQ looks ready for a meaningful correction. Does not mean bear market knows anything hyperbolic, but weekly is overbought with bearish divergence likely to print at resistance with a shooting star candle. Right. So and you kind of see that was the idea there. And then I'm clicking on it. And yeah, that was the top, right? Yeah. And so uh, you can see that euphoria right there. I mean, you're looking at a weekly chart that went to 76 RSI overbought. That to me, just means correction due. It's yeah. starting to make me, as I look at it more, it's starting to make me think the DXY is going to confirm that uptrend and we might see a lot more downtime.
2: I'm watching for it. I mean, the NASDAQ just went plus 35% in five months. So we've got to be realist here. That's That's a huge amount. And Again, to see monthly consolidation as a result of that isn't in itself a red flag. It's just we got to go every single day, every single week, we're going to get new information that's going to help us shift our probabilities as to whether this is again a, a monthly bull flag for a new all-time high or the start of, you know, a, a bigger picture sideways range that we're going to trade within most of 2024, which is again why what the dollar sets up on the weekly chart into the start of 2024 is going to significantly shape what my expectations for 2024
0: are. Yes, now we need to drill down to Bitcoin. Mark Yusko, you were watching, he kind of said it's uncorrelated. He talked about the long-term lack of correlation and the shorter-term correlation. But I think we all admit if things go really bad, it goes bad, right? And right now we're kind of seeing stocks go bad and maybe, maybe it's coincidental, maybe it's a random walk, but Bitcoin suffering, and we had sort of this same wick on SPX the other day as we did on Bitcoin yesterday or two days ago, which was a little surprising to me. So I guess the broader question is, will Bitcoin just follow or can Bitcoin actually go up if all these things go down? Or is it just going to be a correlated asset and get you up? Know? What do you think? I, I mean
2: things will change obviously over time but I think it's going to I, the power of human emotion always astounds me and that's so much of what trading is is understanding human emotion based on price and uh, that's the one thing missing you know I was just listening to your conversation and it was from a, a crypto-centric perspective whereas right. for me so much is dependent on the sentiment of you know market participants, Based on the market as a whole, and so you know, if the Nasdaq's a monthly cup and handle, and we confirm that into all time highs in 2024, absolutely, Bitcoin hundred fifty thousand, sure. But uh, if we see a tightening range and the bears take back over, and you know, we we trade sideways for 2024, I do think that uh, any doubt in the market is going to bleed over into crypto, and you just look back at you know, yeah. Bitcoin got up to 69,000, but that was in an environment where people were literally throwing money against the wall where I've never seen a macro environment that bullish in my 12, 13 years. And And uh,
0: COVID and the money printing and the free liquidity on top of, yeah. And people at home with no jobs uh, playing, you know, the stock market, like the lottery for fun. It was a different time.
2: Yeah. It was the, the perfect storm for massive speculation. And so, you know, again, really for me, long-term targets, it's fine. If you're an investor, you're not going to act, you know, you're just sitting and holding, you got to pass the time speculating on assets, prices later. It's fine. Okay. I get it. But I also know that the hundred thousand target that so many people had for last bull run got a lot of people in trouble. You know, my friends included hey. included. Yeah.
0: Right. I mean, like, it didn't necessarily get me in trouble, but I really thought at 69 when it broke that 65, I was like, how does this not just fly to a hundred? And yeah. so I didn't, you know, I didn't sell off there.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's what, it. you know, if people have the number in their mind and I see this in my friend, who's not a trader, I see it all the time where he's got the number in his mind. And uh, if it doesn't hit that number, he doesn't act and it's hold forever. <laughs> yeah. That can be a, a dangerous thing. And that's obviously what we see time and time again with the 80% pullback after the euphoria. Yeah.
0: And so, I mean, uh, Bitcoin obviously looks weak there right now, but I will say I, I do think Bitcoin looks weak, but looking at, uh, let me, let me take a look. I mean, just the really quick view for me, 28,600 on the weekly is a really key level. I mean, that's the low of 2021 between the 65 and 69 highs, right? And it's just sitting there right now. So I can't get too worried yet unless we start seeing that breaking for me, at least on significantly higher timeframes. And then, kind of have the 200 MA lurking right below. Then if you even go to the daily, it's we're sitting at the 100 MA, and this you know, is kind of the same line, 28-4s. I really want to see what starts to happen in this area is really the gist. Because look how – I mean, I saw you look at the 12-hour. 12, 12 hours oversold, 6-hour way oversold, 4-hour tragically oversold. We're looking at 17 RSI on the 4-hour right now. I mean, we're yeah, getting to like extreme – even with this little price movement, we're getting to extremely, extremely sort of fearful here in my mind.
2: Yeah, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to scout a, a bounce in some of these crypto miners just because their four hour RSI is at some historical bounce levels. And so that definitely has me interested looking into short term bounce. But again, going back to the weekly scenario on the dollar and how that would look like on Bitcoin. So let's say that the dollar tops out in the near term into weekly consolidation and then sets up the trend change, that would look like Bitcoin finding some support here in the short term, failing the recent high of 31.8 or breaking it with zero follow through, and then you know acting as a, a rising wedge type of pattern if, if the dollar is able to confirm the weekly uptrend. So again, it's just going to have such a massive impact on what I expect in the short term. But as far as the short, short term, I'm definitely watching for a four-hour oversold bounce to begin. And one thing that I'm looking for is, you know, maybe we sweep the lows real quick and then get that four hour bounce underway into tomorrow. That's how we would get a divergence too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I always, I,
0: I love overbought, oversold, but really I'm looking for that sort of higher low on RSI with the lower low on price and that sweep could could do it exactly what you're talking about. But then, so now we, I think we're all going to look for bounces, but I don't know that that necessarily means reversal, but then now we have to drill down to altcoins. Right, because Bitcoin goes down one percent. It seems all coins now go down ten.
2: Yeah, and there, and really, it's just it's just long term trends where even when Bitcoin's up at the high and up at you know it's bounced a hundred percent and it's up at four month highs or whatever. I mean, these so many of these coins were still just setting weekly lower highs in long term downtrends. Um, you know, even like ADA and. Adam and all these names is just, okay, nice bounce. I mean, we went on Adam from seven to 10, 50% bounce. Great. But it's just a downtrend. And it's, you know, those big bounces are part of the longer term downtrends. And so, so many of these coins do still have a lot of work to do on the longer term. And, you know, even ADA, big bounce, 22 cents up to 38. That's a lot, but it was just a longer term, lower high. So uh, the, the altcoins have so much more proving to do, and really, what what usually happens is Bitcoin gains a lot of confidence. Then that confidence seeps out into the altcoins, and so obviously, if there's if we don't have that confidence in Bitcoin, then the altcoins get even more smashed as they have uh, a lot less liquidity. And what we saw a couple of days ago in the altcoins, I mean, it was a three minute just smash drop, two and a half minutes of just straight down five to ten percent on a bunch of these coins, and just knowing that that can happen in two and a half minutes. That in itself is, you know, bearish in terms of uh, scaring a lot of people away from altcoins.
0: And, and Bitcoin itself had only gone down from like 29.5 to 29, or, you know, and, and was right back at 29.2, or it went to, you know, 29.6 for a second to just, uh, I think it bounced above 29. It, they're just, I, I mean, it's very hard for me right now. I had Ben Cowan on, maybe they're all, everyone I have on is turning me bearish. It's just very, and I still hold all the altcoin positions I was holding, but like, very hard for me to get interested in them right now. Yes. Yeah, like so far down the risk curve, and we're still waiting on so many things above it on the risk curve to confirm that that can hurt it.
2: Yeah. For a lot of people, I mean, Bitcoin's current trading is risky enough. And so, you know, to get into those altcoins, it definitely, and again, there's, you know, everything that keeps happening in this space FTX and SEC, it just keeps pushing more and more people away from altcoins. And uh, that definitely impacts the amount of liquidity and, you know, the amount of bid support.
0: Yeah. So listen, you said you were going to go take a look for at some miners. Can we just look at the miners <laughs> for fun? I've got you here. You're going to do it anyways. I think yeah. a Good. Uh, I think it would be a good intellectual exercise not to put you on the on the spot. But yeah, no, that's fine. Love to love to watch it happen in real time. Wow. So, yeah, real Riot is really getting smashed. Yeah. He,
2: I just I just look at Riot. You know, it's we're giving it back the majority of the move, but we're entering this. You know, back before this breakout took place, there was a lot of price action around here, and we're back now in it. You know, twelve. The twelve dollar range, the upper twelve dollar range, was the upper part of this channel, and so here we are back testing this this support zone, and so that has me interested. Along with uh, the four hour RSI, you know, I look down and say, okay, that's down at seventeen, and I just scroll back. I like historical RSI levels. You know, something being oversold yeah. if we're weak, that's not enough to go long. But if I look back and say, okay, well, every time the RSI has dipped below twenty in the last four years. Uh, it doesn't stay there for long. That definitely finds a local bottom sooner rather than later. So, that is what starts to get me interested. And so, you know, right now, what do I need to see on Riot? If we get a new high of the day here, that's the first indication that a little shift is taking place. And it's just one time frame at a time. We zoom out to the hourly. And if we get the new high of the day, we remind ourselves okay, good start. But if we don't break 1350, it's just an hourly lower high. So we just got to see that one time frame at a time. And what I would like to see in an ideal world is for Bitcoin uh, to break, as I mentioned, break 28.3, which is testing right now. Uh, See relative strength in Riot and MARA, where let's see if Bitcoin flushes 28.3 here and those names don't significantly break their low of the day. That would be a slight sign of relative strength. And if Bitcoin breaks 28.3 straight into a bit of a V-shape move, that would be the ideal setup to look long for a temporary bounce. And my style of trading, you know, I'm definitely would be trading counter trend on these names. So what I would look to do is, you know, let's say we bounce 1260 to 1310, I take partial profit, knowing that we're in an hourly downtrend, just in case the hourly downtrend continues. And then I can stick my stop under the low of the day at that point, have, you know, very little risk or be risk free, and just try and let it play out uh, a bit longer term, because my goal would be, a riot four-hour oversold bounce to get up to, you know, mid-13s, which decent, you know, 5 to 10% bounce.
0: Yeah. I love the, the importance of time frame. there, people. He's not saying uh, to invest in these long-term at this. He's looking for an exit when he's entering, which is very important. Because I think since I love divergence so much, you play that bounce, but then I generally we do often see one more dip lower to give that divergence, and then you can start to maybe look at a higher target or something if that's your strategy. But that first bounce is a great trade, but uh, it's not a long-term investment in my uh, experience.
2: Yeah, and the, and you know you look at the daily chart here, we have a ton of space where we can bounce significantly, but it's just a daily lower high. so we always have to keep that in mind and you know I did that with Tesla yesterday, Tesla, I played uh, this this quick oversold bounce first thing yesterday morning. But I reminded myself, all right, we're in an hourly downtrend. And so it was a, a great quick, oh, 3% bounce in the first 30 minutes. But walking the stop loss up, taking partial profit along the way. I stopped out you know, when we failed the high of the day and then rolled over here. There's the last of my position stopping out. And that's just protecting against, well, if the trend continues, we may be oversold. But if the trend continues, I have to protect myself.
0: That just looks like the McDonald's golden arches. Yeah, yeah, that would be a, a head. and Well, depends on where the head is, but potentially <laughs> a head, head and shoulders. I well, we're gonna henceforth the Tesla McDonald's golden arch pattern.
2: Yeah, and Tesla's getting real beat up as well. Daily oversold, approaching. So yeah, a lot of stocks. I mentioned in a video yesterday where I'm I'm starting to look for short term bounces in stocks. May just last a couple of days, but. Uh, that's where I'm at, you know, at this point with the size of the pullback we've seen the last couple of weeks.
0: Uh, so I'm, I'm just getting through so much weakness right now. Not regretting selling all that meta yeah. <laughs> at the moment in the mid three teens. I'll take yep. that all, all, all day. Feel, feels feels uh, good to actually be right sometimes. All right, man. Anything else you want to add before I
2: let you go? Uh, just establish those game plans. You know, as soon as we saw Bitcoin that that falling wedge that I had on their first thing, it did break bull. But as soon as we lacked follow through with the trend change, uh, just prepare game plans for both directions, regardless of what you want to happen and ensure that you're not just scaling into something with no game plan. You've got to have a stop loss level where you say, all right, if this hits, I'm wrong. I don't want to be in the position. And again, just always risk management. I love knowing worst case scenario. This is the worst case scenario. This is what my account will be at. This is how much I will lose. And when you know that in in advance, it's a lot more psychologically forgiving when it happens.
0: The only thing you can control in trading is how much you're willing to lose. I, I, it's always been a, a mantra for me. So the one thing I've already accepted is a loss when I take the trade mentally. I don't trade as much anymore, but that used, I used to have to do that. Basically yeah. just writing a check and sending it off and uh, you know it's gone. And so anything uh, that happens in my favor better than that is a uh, good outcome.
2: <laughs> That's my approach as well.
0: All right, man. Thank you so much. See you next week. Have a great day. Everybody go follow Dan. Obviously, uh, the, the, uh, Twitter name is down in the description and check out his channel. One of the few, you know, I don't have that much time, but I, I, I pretty much religiously, uh, continue to watch his videos since he's going to be here and to know what we're going to likely talk about. And he's been pretty dead, right. Since we've had him on the show. So that's also, uh, encouraging not that we expect people's crystal balls to to work out that well guys got twitter spaces of course in about 25 minutes and i will be back tomorrow i think with david lynn do our new weekly friday show all right guys it's been a pleasure peace out bye